Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. She was driving. It was all Katie's fault. She was driving. It's fine. We'll just we'll just do we'll just go a little bit. We'll just go one more and then and then we're on this farm road. Yeah, following a guy on a bike. (laughs) So this is a pretty personal episode. Me talking to my two best girlfriends from university, Jill and Irene. We have celebrated in October this year 30 years of friendship and The first five of those were intensely intense living together at university. As you will hear at the beginning, there's lots of memories, lots of chat, lots of nonsense. But we go on to talk about, you know, how we ended up doing what we do now that we're mums, the choices for our kids, what makes us happy, mum guilt, perimenopause, working from home during COVID, making ourselves happy despite midlife crises friends and just brilliant. I I hope you enjoy it because despite the fact there are some very personal memories, there's also a lot of real life that I think a lot of women and people in general can relate to. So we had so much fun making it. I had to cut out nearly an hour's worth of absolute twaddle. So I hope it makes sense. There's a little extra bit at the end after I finish the official interview that talks about a very funny incident and some of our musical memories back in the day. Uh, So feel free to enjoy as much or as little as you like. It means a huge amount to me and I know it does to them as well. We didn't quite say it on the podcast, but we reckon one of the main reasons we were friends and stayed friends is just because we clicked, we found each other, we found things that each of us loved in the other and that and we had always different taste in men so (laughs) it's not mentioned but that's what we think and I hope you enjoy. Rini you still there? Yeah I'm still there I'm just (laughs) I'm just practicing not interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) Right so come on let's do some um, 30 years 30 years can you believe it like can you actually believe that? No actually some days I can't, some days I totally feel like it. Can't be 30 years. I don't believe we're old enough mm. for it to be 30 years. I know. And it's so funny because until quite recently, like I used to think of you as friends I'd met like quite late in life. <laughs> <laughs> What's going? You're a crazy woman. Like not like, I don't mean like six months ago, but I mean like in the sort of last 10 years or so. And then it's like 30 years. I know that's the thing, isn't it? You don't feel any older I feel totally stuck at being 24 even though you've got all this kind of life happens mm. you don't feel any older than you did sort of between yeah between sort of 20 I think and 24 I, I, I don't feel any older like the creaks and your bones <laughs> and stuff and old lady noises when you get up out your bed oh what oh I'm feeling that in the lower back you know that makes you feel older, but but I don't feel mentally any older than between when I was twenty and twenty four. Yeah, I don't. I I think I'm sitting around about thirty two. Really? At the moment. Oh. Yeah. 
It's a good day ticket. Yes, because that's after you met Oz. So you know, after I met, <laughs> you're in, in a joy period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I don't Jill, know where but, are you sitting? Um, definitely younger than thirty-two. I would think I would be more in the kind of mm. early twenties. I think. Um, I I do still sometimes oh. I catch myself thinking, God, like am I just pretending at this grown-up game? Like you know, who gave me all this oh, responsibility? Yeah. <laughs> How stupid were they to think I could deal with all of this? Uh, yeah, I definitely would be early 20s, I think. Oh, man, I'm a bit jealous now. <laughs> Mind you. Yeah, but yeah. it's weird because you're not carefree. So, like, when I was thinking about stuff that's changed, mm. is that 20 to 24, you're just totally carefree, literally carefree, mm. and you don't even know what that word means. Yeah. And then you hit 48 and go, yeah, this is literally the opposite of carefree it's full of care like everything all the time and so then in that way you're mentally different but you're really aware of it so you go why can I not just be carefree why do I have to be full of care all the time and then the things that we did care about back then you just go for crying out loud what what were you stressing your head about that for yeah, I, I can't even remember because when when we were when I was thinking about like coming on today and talking mm. to you, I was totally going, yeah, there must have been like loads of drama that I should be able to remember drama, but I don't remember dramas. And um, you probably do. You guys are better probably. Well, no, most that. of our dramas were drink, <laughs> were drink induced, <laughs> like like high drama. Uh, you know, Katie's stalking some. Crazy Frenchman again, or you know, some inappropriate boy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I do. I like. I remember. Well, I don't even remember those dramas. So I remember clearly they happened, mm. but I don't remember <laughs> clearly what any of them were about because they were about nothing. Literally, yeah. I know, but you know, it's a bit like they say the thing about you know trying to listen to your kids all the time when it's the small stuff. And then they'll, because yeah. they'll bring you the big stuff because for them, it was always big stuff. Yeah. And so like, it was big deal for us, you know? I mean, you two were so much more worldly than I was, I felt. <laughs> like you, you maybe you weren't, but like, I remember, Irene, the night we before we came to uni, you'd been like a, a wedding present concert or something. Yeah. Like right yeah. in the front, moshing away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yes. I mean, for me, the big thing about going away to uni was leaving home and I was really close to friends from mm. home and at that point I had a, a boyfriend that I totally adored at home and um, so leaving home was a really big deal and I chose to go to a university on purpose in some sort of weird stubborn way where none of my friends from home were mm. so it could have been I could have gone to Glasgow um, but chose to go to St Andrews deliberately because nobody else was going there um and it was it was really hard moving away from home and moving out moving away from all that kind of security so because you went home most weekends for what yeah first term or was it past first term I seem to no first year so that that boyfriend we were going out until third year of university so I was going up and down the road all the time. And that's what I mean. Like, I think what will be interesting in our conversation just now, I guess, is how each of our memories from that period yeah. is totally subjective and totally different. Like, our experience, even though we had that shared experience, mm. 
like the way we experienced it all was totally different. So I was up and down the road a lot. I know Jill was mm. back and forth to Perry all the time, but I was up and down all the time because I had so much to go home for. Yeah. And what was really lovely to me, I guess, and how I knew you guys were keepers was because the people that came from home became your friends as well. Yeah. Like really quickly, really quickly, we all got into a kind of muddled life where they were there all the time and, and you guys came home with me as well quite quickly. I'm still friends independently with yeah. a ton of your school friends. School friends and then the ones that came afterwards, which yeah. is really nice, that big muddle of life. And so, Jill, you because you went home quite a lot and certainly in first term. Yeah, I do remember going home a lot in the first term. And I think that was I had some dance stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And oh, we, yeah. had, we had a, um, a display thing going on. So I do remember going home um, most weekends, I think, certainly in the first term of first year. I think less so after that. I mean, I, I know I did still go sometimes, but mm-hmm. I think less so. I, who knows? <laughs> yeah, who remember. knows? You tell me. Because well, because we lived in the same place for two years. I think I think my first year and second year memories are a little bit joined. Yeah, they're very blurred. Because other than Irene stealing my best room and shifting <laughs> me into the cold side of the building, yeah. like never to be forgiven, actually. I don't even um, remember that. So there's <laughs> an example. I'm glad that. Oh, uh, you uh, see, uh, I started in Fraser 23, and you were in 21. And then you applied for my room, you minger, and you bloody well got it. And I had to have your room in second year. Did I? I yes! I, I swear, I don't, I, honestly, I don't, I'm really glad I did. That sounds like something I would do just for the job. <laughs> Not to be mean. No, because I, I had the sunshiny. Funny. I, I think it's funny now. I think good on past Irene. She was hilarious. But I don't, I don't remember doing it, but I believe you. Yeah, and then, and then Jill, you were in the same room. Well, I, yeah, exactly. I was in the same room, so it's even more yeah. blurry for me. And I mean, I was in the same room, but uh, I lived up on you guys' landing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went down to Fraser 15 to lay my head, as it were. <laughs> but um, I think I lived my life up on your landing. Yeah, well, we did have a cool landing. But yeah, no, I f- you see, because my overriding memory of that first, the very, very first bit was not really knowing how I fitted because mm-hmm. I had come from a private day school so I was you know the people that came from the state schools were like "Ooh, you're so posh and the people that came from the posh schools were like "Ooh, (laughs) yeah where were you at school oh never heard of it you know and I just remember that's how I knew you two were keepers because it didn't seem to make the slightest bit of difference and I I remember really struggling with that quite early on I was a little confused. What can I say? Yeah. But then my other overriding memory of that time is literally just getting ready for the union on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. It was such a big deal. Yeah. It was a massive deal. What do you remember about that, Jill? Um, well, I think, like you said, I mean, it was such a big deal. That was the focus of the week. You got through Monday to Friday, but Friday night in the union, it was like this one big coming together um, where you know, we, we would go together, but, but it was, uh, you'd meet up with so many other mm. people. Um, but I, I do think the getting ready was, was as big a part of it as the night out yeah. itself and being up on the landing and getting the tunes going, come on Eileen, without, <laughs> <a> sh- <laughs> without fail, 
<laughs> several times over, I think. A wee, uh, a wee bottle of case cider to get to get us going. Yeah. Well, that must have been second year because I didn't drink in our first year. What? For the whole of the first yeah, year? I did not, not drink. Really not. That is absolutely true. The oh, only time... So young. Is it because you're so young? It was because I was so young, <laughs> so much younger than both of you. Because, you know, earlier you said when you turn 48, well, I don't know what that feels I like I know, yet. you don't. I know. <laughs> I forgot. But then I guess you couldn't have drunk because it would have been illegal. Yeah, well, I was a rule follower. I still am. I no, I didn't that. drink. I did not drink. The only time I w- was drunk was um, Raisin Weekend. Just high on life, mate. Yeah, and I used to. Yeah, no, I did not drink until until second year, at all. See, raising weekends and all of that jazz, I went home to avoid it. I hated uh, all of that. Yep. I absolutely hated that in first and second year, like mm. all the kind of St Andrewsy stuff, all of that mm. kind of forced mixing and all of those things because even though like I'm really sociable with people I know but I'm actually I really hate those kind of forced mm. social interactions and I used to just dread them and just leave and I remember you going as well Joe. you just said that didn't you yeah I hate them too I hate them I hate that having to like the going having to find a parent nonsense that just no I couldn't do that yeah and you see and I I didn't love it either I was not a natural at it but I was absolutely desperate to do it. I was so desperate to do it. I practically flagged down a couple of academic parents in the street and was like, please have me. And I don't, I I never saw my academic mother again. Um, I kept in touch with my academic dad for quite a long time. But But that's weirdly one of my positive memories is that then I, um, it became a big deal to us. When we came Mm. back from our year abroad, it became a really massive big deal to us to be kind to those first years and we went mm. out and found ourselves some new <laughs> first years to take care of. I'll take care of. Yeah, but yeah. Those, oh, obviously some of them are still kicking about in my life, you know? Like, yeah. Um, because, yeah. I, and I remember going, I want you to have a nice time because I ran yeah. away from this. And, and we dressed them up warmly. We did. As yeah, bold. We did. I think we dressed them up, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember feeling really unworldly and really like I know I bang on about being really young, but I just felt really <laughs> young, like like just really silly and like no. <laughs> but hang on, though, Katie, hadn't you just done however long in in Canada? How can you were the one that had done uh, time abroad? Yeah, you actually. Yeah, you'd done something. Jill was thinking about Kerry, and I was in Cumbernauld. <laughs> but I, so I, I was the, the the leaving home part wasn't hard for me. I don't think necessarily because I had, as you say, I'd been away for a year of high school in Canada, but I'd been living with a family. I'd been really well looked after, so I'd never had to, to kind of look after myself. And and neither had I at home. You know, I'd never had. I don't know, just. I just didn't really know. I mean, I remember when we moved into flats and stuff. Like, I just, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know I was supposed to clean the loo, for which I am really still very sorry, Um, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess, I don't know. You obviously, maybe you remember yourselves differently, but I totally remember just being like, oh, I don't know anything. I mean, I, well, I would have, I would have felt very unworldly. I mean, I came from, this little backwater, uh, glorified village um, where 
like nobody went to St Andrews. I mean, a teacher even laughed when I told him I was going to St Andrews and outright told me I would hate it because it was full of snobs and rich people. And who did I think I was kind Oof. of thing. So, you know, it doesn't exactly inspire you with confidence when no. you're trying to, to be brave, you know. And um, I think I, I'm i really bad. I think I'm really bad at making decisions. I don't even, I don't consciously remember deciding, right, this is what I'm going to do. I feel like I just fall into things. Mm. And, you know, somebody, yeah. I remember my languages teacher um recommending St Andrews to me and she actually brought me bless her she was such a great teacher she hired a car she didn't she drove obviously but she didn't have her own car but she hired a car for a day to bring me to St Andrews to look around Mm. and get a feel for the place and um and and so it was kind of like yes St Andrews would be the best place to go but I don't actually you know I, I don't really remember the conscious decision going yeah that's absolutely where I want to go that's the best place for me and here's why I want to do it it was kind of like well it's if I want to do languages that's the best place to go so so yeah I suppose that's where I'll go then Mm. and then I found myself there um had never you know I'd never left home before like you couldn't (laughs) cook a bean (laughs) so yeah I mean um I don't know how I could possibly have given the impression that I knew what I was doing and mm. it was very worldly because I felt anything but. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I guess I was just making it up as I went along. Yeah. Like the rest of us, I think, genuinely. And I don't remember feeling crazy mm. young when I went to uni either. Like, I didn't feel out of my depth or... Uh, I, th- I, I was really madly mm. homesick a lot of the time. But I didn't feel kind of overwhelmed by it by by the environment or anything like that um so I I don't know I definitely didn't yeah I didn't I didn't feel that way but I did feel kind of homesick and and because I had those ties Mm. at home I was always getting pulled back for Mm -hmm. for them so yeah and then and so what I was trying to think what other because then we so we had two years in hall and then we all went away for a year and Jill were you in Spain the whole time or did you do yeah, I was in Spain the whole time. I did um, the following year. So when you guys were in third year, I did the third term abroad that's in France. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But my second, well, after our two years in halls, I was in Spain for the whole time, yeah. And you're the only one that didn't get a visit because you came to see me and I went to see Irene in Germany. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to see her in France. Sorry. I went to see her in Tours. At some point, I don't know how I managed no, to do I that. Don't. Where was I going that I would have been seeing you? That's weird. I was just cutting her loose. <laughs> cut her loose. Well, I just felt work. I felt so happy that I'd had a room to myself in third year that I thought, well, I better go and see her. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely remember you um, coming to sort of coming to visit me in mm. in Germany and all of that kind of craziness. I remember um, I was actually talking about it really recently about meeting you uh, you know you coming mm. from France to meet me in Germany and I was talking uh, the other day about I don't even know how we could make such a thing happen before know. technology know. you know that the fact that we managed to do things like that and then the same the same sort of situation I'd been living in Germany and had all these pals and then you just chucked yourself at that situation and became pals with my <laughs> pals and it's just a sort of just this really kind of lovely ongoing thing is the two of you just becoming pals with my pals or all getting 
you know, all that, just that sort of. Yeah, but we just rely on you to make the, all the good friends. And we were like, oh, yeah, we like them. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take that one. Thank you very much. Yeah. But I remember really clearly you coming to uh, uh, Germany and it was such a massive deal. You kind of coming out and um, I think you were only there for like four days. Well, I was days, there for carnival. It was like. And we went to yeah, Cologne for carnival. Just, oh. and, yeah, it was, and we went and we went into a nightclub. And do you remember there was that guy that I was trying to chat him up, but he didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any German. And you were like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> were you having to translate, Irene? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously up to point, Jill. And then I removed myself from the situation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I think my memory of that is um, I was just really being drunk nonstop until you got back on the train and left again. Yeah. And then I took the train straight to Rome because it was my niece's christening and I was wearing like crazy, really like massive baggy colored, colorful pant trousers, like MC Hammer pants that I'd bought huh? in Germany. In was Germany. So yeah, that was a so big thing in Germany at that point was the... MC Hammer points a pants. I was so excited that at nearly six foot tall, but living in France, that I I I couldn't shop. I couldn't buy anything for the, the certainly for the bottom half of me. So going to Germany, I was like, woo, tall people. And then I arrived in Rome, and you can imagine, <laughs> I got off the train in Rome, and the Italians are like, what the actual bejesus are you wearing? Like somebody was like, the circus isn't done. <laughs> I can't actually visualize that. I can't, I'm fairly certain I can remember those trousers, Katie. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, so can I. Can I. Remember them. <laughs> oh, they were hideous. And then Jill, you came to see me yeah. in France, and uh, we also—I think we were just drunk for about a week or however long I think we were there. So my over overriding memory of that is the Irish pub, and having yeah. <laughs> Having a debate for about five minutes about how to ask for a pint of lager in French. <laughs> so the barman said, that'd be two pints in his broadest Irish accent. Yeah. We were like, oh yeah, yeah, that, yes, thanks. <laughs> yeah, and then we ended up in a nightclub in the outskirts of Lyon with some randoms, do you yeah. remember? And then we like totally jumped in a car and ended up Oh, I don't know. Like stuff that I know, you would just have heebie-jeebies about your daughter's doing. I think back and think, oh my good God, what were we thinking? I know. Because I'm pretty sure the driver was not sober either. <laughs> Anywho, and then we came back and we spent the coldest year of our lives living in that flat above Janetta's. Um and then, and we met lots of lovely friends. We had Karen and Paul downstairs. Mm -hmm. Canadians, yep. They were absolutely brilliant. And they used to come up and use our bath. Uh, oh, did they? Yeah, they did. I they used to come up that. for romantic. They used to come up for romantic baths in our bath. Because they oh. bath. I know, I know. You look back <laughs> on it now and go, what? <laughs> no, it's a two story. They cleaned the bath. But um, that's a true story. They used to come up. And my memory of that flat as well is that um, every Sunday, and I'm sure it wasn't every Sunday, but in my head, it's this idyllic memory of every Sunday. I was waking up completely hungover and going <laughs> downstairs to the ice cream parlor, literally below our house that had a million different kinds of ice cream. And I was picking a hangover ice cream to yeah. sort of sit in 
eating our pajamas upstairs well obviously because we lived opposite the all-night bakery as well yeah. so that was a major Absolutely. feature mm-hmm. yeah. a pie a pie a pie through the window at whatever time of <laughs> night it was <laughs> but not a, not a square sausage in a roll eh? no never see the boat straight up <laughs> oh so funny and then uh our final year and we moved to the hood mm-hmm. oh how naive were we the hood in st andrews which is like the poshest wee town in, <laughs> in scotland <laughs> but we lived in the like these sort of uh, presumably they were council flats at some point mm-hmm. oh, very nice indeed they were mm-hmm. and then um, actually those are some of my favorite memories living in that Mine flat too. i was going to say that that was just the best year well, I remember us all like dyeing jeans the same colour yes. in that flat. And I remember us having the little uh, cereal box picture of Take That <laughs> cut out and stuck on the fridge and used to stroke their faces every day. Yeah, except we had Joe Mangle on Gary's head. Yeah, I don't know why like, we had we that. Because Gary, Gary was not a looker back in the day. Mm. <laughs> but still putting Joe Mangle on the big screen. <laughs> I remember we did that and we, we I remember really clearly getting ready a lot to go out from that flat because obviously we had to decide who was going to wear the jeans <laughs> yeah. because we had the same colour of jeans because yeah all very different styles though <laughs> yeah, I know and it was kind of who was ever doing it and I remember as well we had these lovely neighbours because it wasn't yeah. in a student flat at all and whenever we were having parties we would like bake scones and stuff like yeah. that and give them all little presents to say we're gonna have a party and I hope you're not gonna yeah. be upset and they were super lovely about it and yeah. um just having that flat was just such a brilliant final year I guess it was you know beach parties and just all of it oh, was yes. just all idyllic that last year was absolutely idyllic and weirdly I remember the academic stuff as well because we were all doing languages mm. we'd have all these kind of weird in jokes about <gasps> studying languages that nobody else would think funny but you know we just we were all kind of in the same space because we were studying the same kind of thing. Well, remember we had we had flat speak like we could just go out yeah. and have a whole conversation where we finished each other's conversation sentences yeah. off for a whole night and people would be like what are you talking yeah. about didn't matter to us yeah. <laughs> and I guess it's that kind of um just being in each others company like literally all the time and that kind Mm. of comfort that comes with that where you're just there all the time and I think it it made us this kind of we trio you know whenever we see people Mm. from uni they talk about us as a a thing that kind of came together a sort of single unit not not necessarily Mm. as individuals within that and that's kind of nice to me like it's nice to me that it was a it was the three of us all the time it wasn't you know yeah it just it just was a lovely a lovely thing to have and to be for that to be so strong as a a kind of thing in our last year was just really brilliant it was good yeah so I'm waiting for Jill to speak because we never let her talk (laughs) (laughs) we we never have (laughs) that's okay I'm the quiet one of the three (laughs) <laughs> no, but I do think um, I would say the same. I mean, I do remember people saying, you know, they would see two of us and kind of look for the third, you know, because it was mm. so rare that, that we would be out without um, the other two being uh, not very far away. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember that time I used you as a mirror to cut Irene's hair? <laughs> I did maybe cut my hair, but what do you mean you used Jill as a mirror? Well, because I didn't have a mirror. So I sat behind and I was, and Jill was saying, yeah, up a bit on the right, up a bit on the left. But we we were about three bottles of bud down by that stage. <laughs> and I gave you the shortest haircut ever. I know, my mum still thinks that's the best haircut I've ever had. She still talks about that. Going, oh, and so then on, on a rare occasion where Jill and I happened to be in the central without you and you were somewhere else next door or doing something else and we were like right when she comes in you've got to see how great her hair is because I feel really bad and and then you came in and everyone's like oh my god Irene I love your hair and you're like oh, shut up what did you tell them I did I actually literally remember the people that were in the pub that night as well and uh, many of them were northern and not it's such uh -huh. um, effusive displays of emotion, <laughs> and that's how I knew it was a massive lie. I mean, if those northern boys are commenting on a hairstyle, there's something wrong here. Yeah, just making that shit up. That's how I knew. Yeah. I was just telling my kids uh, about the, the time we caught Irene's hair uh, during lockdown when I was having to wield the scissors again. <laughs> I was going to say, okay, I practiced. Oh, yeah. I've done this yeah. before. I've done it before. It's going to be fine, boy. Hold on to your hands. Yeah, let me just let me just dig out the photo albums and show you what a fine job we did the last time. <laughs> Mummy's just got to have a little bottle of bud, and then it'll all be okay. <laughs> just wait till I get Katie on Zoom. It'll be fine. Ah. <laughs> uh. Uh, it's funny. And then, of course, there was the famous holiday to Fuerteventura. No, no, no. Famous holiday to Tormalina Spenomadina. Oh, my God. And that tiny, tiny little apartment. Like, it was a studio. And then, and the funny, what I was thinking about the other day was... It was so small. And sleeping in the bath. You slept in the bathroom. Jill slept on the blow-up bed, which we couldn't have two of us on because anytime one rolled, the other one fell off. <laughs> and then, and I slept on the creakiest dead bed <laughs> in the history of the world. Like I literally just had to breathe it. Went, yeah. And and then we'd have fold everything away in the morning so we could actually stand I up. Did, obviously, because then... I was sleeping in the bathroom, so I didn't have anything to fold up. But you, you weren't, the bathroom wasn't even big enough. You were half out in the hallway. Then, I know. I remember it's the tiniest flat. Yeah, I remember we found it on Teletext. I mean, how is that even a thing? Oh, I thought it was Jill Zanny's flat. But it wasn't my auntie. It was somebody my mum knew, yeah. But we got the flights. Oh, it must have been the, the flights. flights from. <laughs> God. <laughs> Teletext, oh, that's proper Rachel. No, that's now we're definitely showing our age. And then we had, uh, and then Jill, that hilarious story of you meeting that guy, and then suddenly, next thing you've moved to Ireland. Yeah, I know. And I remember it yeah. so clearly because Irene just Me put too. it very succinctly and said, Jill just packed her pants and moved to Ireland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though that guy was just like a quick holiday snog. And you bumped into him randomly afterwards. You just thought, oh, yeah, Ireland, that sounds fun. But you see what I mean about just kind of not actually making proper life decisions and just going with the flow and going, why not? And then next thing I know, I'm in Ireland. and For the rest of your life. For the rest of my life. I mean, that was but that was the that was the most amazing thing. I mean, I still talk about that, Jill. Like, the, the fact that you did that, you know, you... I guess it was a time in our life when we had no yeah. plans. Like you, I think none of the three of us had a 
concrete post. I was going traveling. I was going traveling regardless. That was. Yeah. No, I know, but it's not. It's not like a life I'm plan. Not, I'm not doing down your traveling. But yeah, no yeah. concrete. We weren't going into years or anything useful. Did any of you do point. the milk ground? Did I? And I didn't do any of that. Did you? Do what is milk ground? Oh, that when they, you know, you start, you have suddenly you're applying to be a marketing manager for. Oh God, no. Marks and Spencer. Right. No, I was I, I was just trying really hard to be recruited as a spy. <laughs> so I, kept, I was like, I was absolutely sure I was going to be approached to be a spy, but it, it just never happened. Because because we were at one of those universities. Is that why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you kept you kept getting told about people that got tapped. And I know that I obviously I know like one person that was super clever, and she went on to be a code breaker, Ooh. which is almost like a spy. Yeah. And then. Uh, one other person that I think is a spy, but um, whose name we cannot mention because, in case he is, we put his whole life in danger. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was always in complete awe of you, Jill, that you went. Well, I've got nothing better to do. I'm going to go and see if that guy turns up at the airport in Dublin. <laughs> and you did pack your pants. You packed a one-way ticket to Dublin and packed your pants and off you went. And I was going, oh my lord, that is like an amazing thing she's doing. But you see, because I, I do actually, I remember you saying that and it was, I don't know what I'm going, you know, what I want to do with the rest of my life. I don't know what to do next. I don't have any plans. I don't know where to go. Why not? You know, mm. it, it was almost like a delaying yeah. tactic. It's like, I don't know what to do next. So if I do this, for a little while and I say I'm going to do it for three months and then I'm going to go for Spain well I'm buying myself a little bit of time till mm. I can try and figure out what mm. what the hell I do next and and that's what I mean like I, I genuinely don't feel that um I, I ever stopped and went right what do I want to do with my life I just I went to university because because it was kind of expected because I did well at school so I went to and I went to the university that that offered me the best course and don't get me wrong it's all worked out really really well but there was never there was never a plan and and I only ended up in Ireland because because I didn't know what to do and yeah. this was like an easy oh why don't I do that for for three months and um and then I never got any further and it's all worked out fine but there's never been even the job I've ended up in now you know I I came over here and I got a job in a pub just to to pay the rent yeah, yeah. and then I fell into another job and from that job I fell into another one and I've just you know I've just kind of rolled rolled along <laughs> and ended up where I am do you feel like that mm. as well Irene like because you've always had yeah. a fairly but you've always had a really strong social conscience so you know it, it doesn't surprise me that you've done a lot of the jobs that you've done yeah and I guess but I guess and and that's always something that I talk to my kids a lot about is mm. that I, I, like I still have no idea what I want to be when I grow up <laughs> And I've gone and I've I've loved, I've genuinely loved every job I've done. And I've done so many jobs. I mean, I've pretty much been in the voluntary sector since leaving university, mm. one way or the other. It's always been voluntary organisations that I've worked with. I mean, even, I suppose, I've had periods within uh, universities as well, mm. where I worked at, um, I worked at Shafkai Juni for a while. You were at Harriet Watt um, too, weren't you? I was working at Harriet Watt, but in the student union, so that was definitely kind of in that that was within the voluntary. Well, it wasn't, but it's third sector type staff because mm -hmm. I ran the advice and support centre there, and then I went from there to the One World shop, and I've just um, I've always been in the voluntary sector, 
but I've never had this kind of clear plan. So when I've been listening to these other incredible women on, on the podcast, you're going, oh my goodness, like all of these people were just such clear destinations in mind or something completely driving them. Mm. And I never had that other than going, do you know what? I really want to be happy. Mm. I want to do things that make me happy and things that have a point. And there's been times where I've done jobs that don't really have a point, but they've still made me happy doing them. Mm. Um, and and I feel really lucky in that way. And, and the jobs I've had have all kind of, yeah, added something to my life in some way. So I've had exactly like Jill I never everything I've kind of stumbled into by accident I mean I've now been working in the field I'm working in weirdly for 10 years so I've been doing digital inclusion stuff for 10 years we set up the company five years ago um and the weird thing is that is that me and my co-director both came into that by accident as well so neither of us sort of had this burning obsession with digital inclusion mm. but actually we, we're both completely committed to that kind of social justice agenda but it, like it, it never had a never had a plan mm. and but I think that's all right and I think it's really hard because I watched the kids being asked at school you know I, I've got I've got the four kids mm -hmm. and um, number three just now is doing the kind of rounds where sort of um questions about what career she wants to do mm -hmm. and you know what her plans are for the future and I'm going she's 14 yeah. and you're looking at the career advisor going is this what you said when you were 14 you said I want to be a career advisor <laughs> I don't think so and, and that doesn't mean that that job's less fulfilling or it's not amazing no. but it it just means that you go you know it, it's also okay not to know what the flip you're doing as long as you have some kind of I guess some control over that or or that you can be happy and whatever whatever that is and I've been so lucky well that's the thing I think I've I think I've learned from a lot of the podcast guests that you were mentioning that a lot of yeah. them just followed their passions the things that made them happy the things that made them tick and you know here in Switzerland you know my eldest is just tw well he's not even 12 and a half and the pressure they're under here to like, are you going to be a university yeah. or are you going to be an apprenticeship? An apprenticeship is a really well sought after thing here. You know, it's not like when we were at school and it was like you went to uni or you were a YTS. You know, it's a really, but you know, that's really nailed home to them. They've got classes and courses and what are you going to be? And, and I'm saying to him, seriously, you're 12. Tell them you want to be an engineer and then, you know, just, let them deal with that like what what are you gonna do I'm like look at me I'm a flipping podcast host as of what two months ago yeah. and before that you know and I'm I'm a presenter and a sports commentator do you think I went to my careers advisor and said I want to be any of those things no of course I didn't and it came the way of event management and you know all of those things a bit like you I, you know I just fell into I fell into event management because I was working in a job in Edinburgh and this girl came in on a Monday saying she'd had a really great weekend and I said what did you do and she was like oh uh, I'm a part-time staff for for events company she said she said you'd love it you're so bossy you'd be great at it <laughs> and I was like Ooh. and so I literally went through the yellow pages in Edinburgh and I called every single event management company 
until I found one that would hire me. And that's how I ended up doing that. And so I'm like, don't stress, tell them what they want to hear and then just go on being 12. Well, I think it's confusing that they're given those kind of messages that there there is this kind of linear path out there because Mm. then if the majority of us don't have that experience, then we're kind of setting our kids up to be slightly disappointed in themselves or in the world if they if they don't hear that the majority of people's lives aren't like that or mm. I, I mean I I don't know I think so we went to a, um like a, a parents information session at the secondary school that my oldest is at uh, last year when he was in first year and the principal spoke and she said many things but one thing stuck with me and it made me feel really comfortable with the school that he was at um because because again in my in my way of not making decisions um (laughs) I just uh I just registered him for the local secondary school which uh you know the primary school is a feeder into that secondary school I didn't look at any of the others because that's just not what we did when when I was in primary school we just Mm. went to the local secondary because there was only one um that's not really what everybody else does over here. There's a lot of talk about what school are you registered for. Anyway, he went to the local one. But we went to an information session when he was in first year. And um, this one thing that the principal said that really struck me. She said, you know, um, these kids will go on to do jobs in the future, jobs that don't exist today, jobs that we've never even heard of, that we can't even mm-hmm. imagine because the world is changing so much. Our job is to teach them to be the best kind of person that they can be and to be happy and to know how to figure their way through the world, not to mm. drive them towards a particular career because who knows yeah. where they'll end up. And I thought, you know, it's it's so true because the world, even, even without the changing that the world is doing, there's so many jobs out there that, I mean, I didn't know my job existed. You know, I do trade compliance now. I, I, that's not something that was even on my radar when I was, when I was 20, never mind when I was 12. Mm. Um, so how you can possibly pick a career when you're in your teens, when you, you've no experience oh, of the world, sense. even assuming that the world stays still, but it's changing so much just now. And, and she said that, you know, that these kids will go on and do jobs that don't even exist today. Well, yeah, and it's all the sort of learning to be coachable, learning to be a team player and all the things that come with, out, out with, yeah. uh, you know, the academics of it all. You know, academics are important, but just all the things you learn through sport, through, you know, I know your eldest is really into his drama and his dancing and that sort of good stuff. That's all so important. And you've got, you've got a really sporty one as well, haven't you, Irene? Yeah, I've got one that's really sporty. I mean, I've got four, I guess they, they're just so different, all mm. of them. And and that's why you're kind of trying to make sure that the message they're hearing is that not the whole, you can be whatever you want to be because um, it sometimes doesn't just work out exactly like that. But yeah. it's about trying to be happy as you go through whatever journey you end up on. Um, and I think, yeah, I, but I do think it is confusing when they're being asked so much of the time, you know, what do you want to do? And, but you know, where do you want this to go? And I just look at my life and go, do you know what? I, I've been so happy and I've had all these lovely things happen, but it's not through any planning or, and I'm not, I'm, well, I mean, you guys know, I'm not massively, I, I'm not an ambitious person at all. So that kind of, um, 
sometimes I think that's a good thing and sometimes I think it's, it's not necessarily but I think it's it's a good thing in that you go I am actually really happy with the fact that I live in a, an amazing place like I live in literally the most beautiful bit of Scotland it's somewhere I've always wanted to live and I live here and I always wanted to have a bunch of babies and I have them and yeah and that's what really kind of gives my life purpose and I think it's all right to go in fact I think it's better than all right to go do you know what see being able to walk on the beach and have have these four amazing people around about me and a fella that loves me more than you know you could ever be loved that like god that's enough like that's amazing Mm. that um so it's trying to help your kids see that there's joy in all manners of places and some of them are some of them look boring if you try to say you know there's also joy in this boring thing then it's hard it's a hard sell to go you know there's like masses of joy just walking along the beach with a dog and if you said that to a 14 year old they'll go get in the bin you big 48 year old boner but i like actually i want i want them to be able to see that i am proper happy i'm not just kidding on about it like that 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 there can be happiness in these places as well um because i i just don't think everything is yeah it's not all as clear cut sometimes as as is sold to you that there's these directions or these paths no, and I like to think that even from when we were their age to now that things are different. I mean, they're they're really not in Switzerland as far as I can gather, although I'm not terribly far into the system thus far. But, you know, I like to think that, you know, because I remember when we finished uni, when we were finishing uni, remember there was the careers guy and he wasn't, what was his, was it Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker or Jim Beam? What? I don't I can remember this. No, I have not. One, one, the, 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 the careers advisor at St Andrews in the nineties had the name of a whiskey. And it was being a careers advisor. Yeah, do not remember. I went and sat one of those things where you, you know, we sat with a computer, and I sat and I, and it was the back in the days when it was the green flashing cursor, you know, like the just the thing and you just t- you had to answer well, questions and I just about what without you I think life to you with everybody going where's Katie why are there not three of you what's going uh, on no so I went and computer thing work out what job is. so yeah but you know I was so I was coming out of what arguably one of the best universities in the country with a languages degree arguably one of the worst language <laughs> degrees in the in the country to be fair <laughs> But still, a language degree from a good university. Um, and it said I should be. So I plugged in all these things. I don't even remember the questions, but I plugged in the thing and it came out, you know, the little laser printer with the holes up the side of it. You should be an air stewardess or air hostess, as it was known in those days, um, or a chiropodist. <laughs> I mean, what is that all about? Uh, like, bizarrely. <laughs> When I was in, I was just going to say when I was in secondary school, and I do remember seeing a careers advisor in yeah. secondary school, and when I told her I enjoyed languages, it was like, well, you have to be an air stewardess. Um, 
and, yeah. and I remember having a discussion or a teacher. with her. No, not even teacher. She just said air well, stewardess. And I have I remember having this discussion with her saying, I'm not tall enough. She said, oh, yes, you are. And we had an argument about how tall I was or wasn't. And what? Whether I Why was did tall you think enough. height? Because Why look, think back height? in the day, back in the day, there was a height requirement for being an air hostess. Yeah. Oh, Jill, you're so retro. Quite <laughs> <laughs> amazing. So, Irene, you wanted a bunch of babies and you got them. Jill, did you always want kids? I don't know if I remember that. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, I didn't have a fixed number in my head, but I did always want kids. And I just, yeah, I just remember because we've what, got nine between us now. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive. We've we've tripled ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> that was always the ambition, Katie. It's always the ambition. Can we triple ourselves? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, yeah. yeah and so and it's you know it's not the easiest of gigs we've discovered because I always wanted kids I always 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 wanted to have kids and you know the sort of romantic notion of and I think I maybe like many mums I guess you sort of think about the the baby years and like the oh they'll be so cute and I'll be a mum and it'll be lovely and then it just gets really hard mm. like awesome amazing I love them with every fibre of my being, but it's a hard gig. I guess it's that move away from being carefree, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I, I remember I remember so clearly my first one being born and going, oh, my goodness, like, I love her so much, I don't even know how I'm going to get through the day yeah. <laughs> with this. Just the responsibility and the just, just knowing that I had to keep this tiny thing alive um mm. I just yeah and and like breastfeeding was really tough at the start there and I just remember going I just need to feed her or or she'll die and it'll be my fault and I just want her mm. to be alive so much and I think that sudden kind of overwhelming feeling of of responsibility and that I'd never felt before you know obviously mm. I looked after you guys if you were drunk and pulled your head out you're sick or whatever put you in recovery <laughs> position if you needed it but it's totally it's totally different from oh my goodness this this person this tiny little thing needs me and I need yeah. to do it and you know everything changes that you walk through every day with worrying just worrying and worrying and worrying about them all the time and and that's hard that's for me the toughest bit is just worrying Mm. all the time and I think about that a lot I go god how can I not be less worried you know that's something that I would like to be less worried because I want to be this this sort of mum that is um is sort of really empowering for them and really encouraging them to take risks and you know and I do do that in the I go go away and take a risk just don't let me see it um <laughs> or I, I I I want all those things for them but I I, I am consumed with worry all the time and that's not good like I don't want to be mm. like that but I can't stop it because because it's my job like my calling. I kind of agree with you. I, I don't know how you manage with more than two, both of you, because I always think to myself, well, hopefully some of the time, most of the time I've got one that's okay, mm-hmm. you know, that's happy at school, yeah. that's 
got friends and is happy and doing well at school and not injured or sick or you know and I've only got two and you know and when they're both down with something that's bothering them either physically or mentally like that kills me that whole thing you're only as happy as your least happy child I guess I'm always used to letting (laughs) letting them down you uh, you know well you're always letting 50 percent of them down (laughs) <laughs> but then it's like so if you've suddenly gone crazy and put something wrong on the macaroni cheese, then like somebody's going to be upset. So you're always letting someone down because you can't have a hundred percent of the people happy. And you know that at work, you go, oh, in a workplace, you can't have a hundred percent people are happy a hundred percent of the time, and you don't really care. But <laughs> in, in your domestic setting, you're going, man, really? I can't. I can't ever please 100% yeah, 100 of the, mm. and you want to because you love it turns out you love them all the same you know I remember when my second yes. one was born looking at the second one because I remember before he was born going oh my goodness what if this one comes and I don't love him as much mm. because you think that and it's I think it's quite natural and then he was born and I looked at him and went no it turns out I love you just as much how am I going to do this and I remember crying going I love them both the same amount and that's just too much of the love because because (laughs) how can I how can I be a hundred percent like of a mum when I've got two because the maths Mm. just doesn't work how can you be 100% <laughs> on both of them when there's only one of you? And I know there's two of us, clearly. I'm lucky enough to have yeah. another one kicking about. But I can only be 100% of a mum. And how can you be 100% of a mum to two and then three and then four? Oh. So I just, I'm always letting one of them down. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes letting all four down. And what about you, Jill? Because you've got three boys yeah. as well, en plus. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I struggle with the the whole mum guilt thing that you just mm-hmm. you just never it's never enough, you know. And and maybe that's you know because I continued working full time through all of them being babies, and and they would have gone to childcare, and you know at the time it felt like the right thing to do. And then hindsight is a wonderful thing, and so you think, well, you know, was it? And I, I guess I'll never know. You know, I. I don't know that I could have been a stay-at-home mum now. Mm. When I look back, I think maybe um, maybe it would have been a better choice. Um, but I don't know, because then I think, you know, you, you look back and you, you put the gloss on it. You think, you know, as you say, it's this kind of romantic notion of being a stay-at-home mum and being there for your, for your kids all the time. But I don't know that I would have stayed sane through, through mm-hmm. that. So work was my mm. outlet. And it's easy to look back and think, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. But um, but I, I don't think you ever get away from the mum guilt thing. Yeah. No. It's always... There. I mean, the thing is, I, I, I did become a stay-at-home mum. And in hindsight, I should have, I should have had a job. Yeah. Nearly, nearly killed me. Mm-hmm. You know, just... Const- I mean, I, I, the privilege... I feel that I was able to do that is huge, really. And I will never, ever, you know, never say otherwise. But, you know, just not having grown-ups to talk to and, you know, with Graham being away quite a lot with work, was hard, hard not having grown-ups to talk to and just being 
being on my own with the kids yeah. quite a lot. And, you know, I think, you know, it's got to be each to their own. Mm. But in, in hindsight, as you say, it's 2020 vision. I would have been better off at least part time having. Yeah, just not being there all the time because it's yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> makes you a bit bonkers and I think what's kind of hard as well is um, during those kind of baby years as well we didn't see, the three of us were scattered literally in mm. different countries as well so yeah. you kind of lost your closest girlfriends during that period or for me, you know you, mm. you we yeah. were all in different places and um, that, that makes that hard as well you know, not having um, that yeah, because all of us are far away from our mums, or far away from our mm-hmm. families, um, and that—that that, I mean, I feel very fortunate here because I've got the most incredible group of friends and and community, and I've been very very lucky there. But it's still hard, mm-hmm. you know, because we all grew up. I mean, I certainly grew up with my granny just down the road. You know, my mum had masses of support that way when we were growing up. Yeah, so there you go, and so um from from mumdom because we're sort of you know we're fairly experienced mums mm-hmm. now I'd say as you say the worry's never going to go away mm-hmm. and the and the guilt and the should have could have would have but now what are we facing perimenopause what is that like what is that all about do you am I the only one who feels like a complete mental case a lot of the time no certainly not and I think it's this cruel <laughs> twist of nature that um us mums get all hormonal round about the time that our teenagers start getting oh, hormonal don't. as well like what's that all about <laughs> yeah because so like how is it manifesting itself with you Jill I think well I find myself very emotional I think I mean it, mm. not all the time there's <laughs> there's times when I feel relatively normal but then there's times when I just um yeah, just very emotional, very, very much on a roller coaster. I'll be angry with the kids and then and then I get the guilt kicks in and I get really teary and emotional. And um, I guess it's kind of hard to tell as well, because um, this year has been such a strange year mm-hmm. that, um, you know, normally I would have two very distinct spheres, I suppose. You know, I would go out and I would go to work and I'd be my I'd put on my work persona um, but mm. I also have a really good group of friends in the office where I work. So you, I get, you know, there's a lot of my social outlet would be through work as well. Mm. Um, and going for lunch with some of my colleagues, but they're more than colleagues, they're friends. So I feel like I've lost a lot of that this year as well. So there's just, I, I feel like there's a whole lot going on. I'm blaming the perimenopause, <laughs> but I think it's more <laughs> than that. I think it's also circumstance and um you know, not having the same outlet that I have where you can go to work and you you can distinguish those two um, parts of your life, really, and then come home and be a proper um, mum. You know, I feel that the lines are blurred right now and and work is so busy this year as well, particularly towards the tail end, you know, right now, that Mm -hmm. um, I'm not able to uh, properly define a work day and and kind of shut down my laptop and then and then step away and, and step into kind of family life so it's really mm. blurry and there's just so much going on just now that um it's all very overwhelming at times and and I'm not I, I think I'm not as able to cope 
not as able to cope as I normally would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm blaming the perimenopause, but as I say, I do think part of it is circumstance as well, and just um, this really strange year that we're that we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm. Are you? I don't. I. I mean, I am always somebody that has my feelings right out there. I'm not. Um, mm. uh, I, I don't have a particularly strong filter, and I have extreme feelings about everything. We were having a conversation. Uh, just a wee while ago about how I even have extreme feelings about shapes of pasta but that's like <laughs> but I've always been like that so I'm not necessarily yeah. seeing it more heightened I've always been somebody that cries quite easily so I'm not even seeing mm-hmm. more of that I am so I don't know I guess I'm just aware that it's kicking around in the background I think probably for me it's more that what am I doing in my life where is this gonna go um and and i've said that mm. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with where am i it's not that it's just you kind of go oh i want to do more to make me happy um and trying mm. to find more of that as you're going it's good that my kids need me less and i want them to need yeah. me less i genuinely want that for them i don't want them to be going oh look at mom just like sitting on a rocking chair waiting for us to come home um, I want to be doing something, but I, mm. I've i never had a plan. So that means knowing what that something is is difficult. And some days then that can make you feel just sad that you haven't got a plan. Mm. And I think that slowly, that it, it's more the kind of realisation that you're getting older and you're going to really want to do something amazing before I die. Um, it's more that mm. rather than... Um, everything else because I think a lot of the stuff related to menopause and perimenopause um I have all those things anyway and always have Mm. you know the kind of emotional swings I've always been quite emotional um so I don't and I've always been quite weepy and quite extreme opinions and um not extreme opinions but like strong opinions (laughs) yeah you do strong opinions about literally everything so yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I was, well, you, you may or may not be pleased to know, but, you know, I'm, I've always, as you know, I've always been quite emotional as well. I'm quite a heart on my sleeve mm-hmm. kind of gal, ups and downs and crying and laughing and, you know, whatever. I'm not very no. good at pretending. Yeah. I never have been. And, uh, but I was interviewing somebody the other day and she was the first, the second ever female tornado pilot like fast jet proper top gun pilot in the RAF so she's nails like properly I mean so fun so great so brilliant to talk to and has you know did three tours in Iraq you know so properly done some hardcore stuff and she said I cry all the time I've always been a crier I'm just someone who cries and I was like oh if somebody like that, who's like really super driven, massively bright and able to cope with, you know, a war situation, is someone who just says, well, there's no big deal in that. I just cry when yeah. I need to. I felt I bizarrely, <laughs> even age 47, was massively reassured by that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I just I guess I have always done a fair bit of weeping. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't noticed myself weeping more, just the same amount. But the kids going, oh, no. Like, they just know that they can show me a certain video or put on a certain song and I'll be sitting <laughs> sobbing. They think it's hilarious, like, to to be able to <laughs> manipulate me in that way. Uh, and it's always the kind of same stuff. Like, we're not allowed to watch up in this house because even the first, like, four minutes up and I'm hysterical on the couch going why are you doing this to me <laughs> so they they kind of know how to use that but yeah so I'm not it's more that kind of just that middle-aged not he's definitely not discontent for me but middle-aged what am I doing I want to yeah. I want to have an amazing life I want to make every day somehow brilliant and, and and also know that mm. life isn't like that. Like every day's not going to be brilliant. But I feel I need to do more to make it brilliant. And and I need to mm. work out how to do that. I need to work out how to make every day brilliant. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good philosophy. I was being interviewed on a podcast the other day, and that's kind of this guy's thing. It's about living living adventurously every day. Mm-hmm. So just doing something every day that you go. Huh, that was cool. Because I'm not a massive believer in the do something every day that scares oh, you. Because yeah. I am like, well, I'm somebody who lives with a reasonable amount of high anxiety. Uh-huh. And so I can't, like, the, the thought of actually m- making myself even more anxious uh-huh. on purpose is, I don't get that. But I do love this. She did that massive walk on the side of oh, the cliff. Oh, my God, that nearly. I saw that at, like, what were you thinking of? I was thinking I'd wanted, always wanted to do a Via Ferrata. And, you know, we're surrounded by them. I live in the flipping Alps. And I was like, right, come on. And the kids had done them with school and Graham's done them with, you know, whatever, just because he's Graham and he does that sort of thing. <laughs> he's he's like, you know, Spider-Man. And uh, so he, um, and so I was like, come on, let's do a family thing. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I suddenly have these, right, we're doing stuff as a family right now. And, you know, we're making memories. I never use that expression because I don't actually like it. But you know what I mean? Like, that's just that, right, we're doing stuff all together because we're all busy doing our own thing and blah, blah. And so I wanted to do that. And uh, the kids had done it with school. And I thought, well, how hard can it be? And the first two bits, I was quite scared. And then the third bit was three times the length. And I swear to God, if I'd known, I would never have let the kids on it. I mean, honestly, it was like, thank God Graham was there because I, there was no, I I think I'd have had to call a helicopter to get the three of us off if I'd gone on my own. It was horrific, Mm -hmm. horrific, so horrific. (laughs) Yeah. And see, when I'm thinking of what am I going to do to make my life awesome, um, I think I probably know the answer because I know myself. I mean, the nice thing about being 48 is I totally know myself. Mm. I, I feel quite comfortable in going, do you know what, Irene? You're never going to be that great at administrating. <laughs> <laughs> You're never going to be. I'm not. I'm also, to my sadness, I'm not a complete or finisher. <gasps> Me neither. And I, I know. I, I'm not. And I know that. I get massive buzz out of creative periods and I'm great at thinking about exciting stuff and then taking it forward and then I'm I'm just yeah and so I know I kind of know myself Mm. and that's quite good so when I'm trying to think about what I want that's gonna make me happy I know it's not risk like I I freak out even at public fireworks (laughs) not even kidding like I totally go oh no this is like too dangerous what they're just like 
letting off fireworks willy-nilly i am not a risk taker definitely not and what makes me happy is genuinely seriously hanging about with my pals yeah and it's seeing friends more and just that's always been your thing though when I I think of you that's what I think about one of the major things and you know it was your birthday in the summer and testament as always to you and your incredible ability to keep people around you uh it was you know that zoom thing that we all Mm -hmm. got asked to do a zoom birth happy birthday you know none of the rest of us will get would have got that it's just because you are so good at that and you've always been good at it and I was flipping earlier when I said we you know you just make the friends and we just scoop them up and steal them for ourselves but for true you're just so you've always just had this natural ability at making people feel great and loved and wanted it's really very enviable skill or talent but it's not it's not a skill is because I have been lucky enough to have these friends that have kicked around in my life and stay with me in my life so yeah it's not luck and that there is and it's it's the best bit about my life is my friendships and Mm. and them sticking around so it's it's old friends that have been there and they know you at your worst you know the last time the three of us saw each other I, it's just that kind of freedom isn't it yeah. like where you go oh my god these guys know me at my worst and they're still here and and then the fact that I have those friendships the three of you and the other friends are are there for the long haul so when I look at what do I want I want more of that please yeah more just hanging about doesn't need to be adventuring I don't need to chuck myself off a plane I don't need to do these things no but I mean my my point when I he interviewed me about everyday adventures I said that I said it doesn't need to be climbing Everest or you know paddling Mm -hmm. down the Amazon it's about what makes your heart sing it's about what Mm -hmm. makes you happy it's about Mm -hmm. putting yourself into you know having the passions that make you think yeah life is good and this makes me happy but I just wanted to say one of the things you said there about I say that a lot about you know the people that have known you at your worst and still love you and it's hilarious because I can think of me at my worst but I can't think of either of you like I don't I'm sure I've seen times when you're not at your best I must have but I don't think well, I love her because of, despite that really shitty thing she did. Oh, you know what I mean? I don't remember. Yeah, you're right, Katie. I don't remember any of my pals at their worst or ever going, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're really on the edge of this friendship, man. Because do you remember, Jill? Like, you can't think of other people at their worst when you've been friends with them for that long. You just know. Yeah, because you don't focus on the on the bad times. You know, I think when, you know, when we get together and we reminisce and even without being together, when you reminisce yourself, we focus on the good, the good times, all the, you know, the fun that we had, the great memories, the fact that you never cleaned the bathroom that, you know, we don't really remember that. I do. The shame, (laughs) the shame. (laughs) But I, I just don't think that's, you know, that's not, we don't make space in our heads for those memories, I don't think. No, and it's nice though, because, you know, there's so many other times you can think of, oh, this person or that person. But when I think people have been friends with you for such a long time, you just sort of 
drop those parts because it was yeah, immaterial. That, I mean, if I think of um, even family, you know, with um, with siblings, I mean, I know that we fought as kids, mm-hmm. but that's not what I remember. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know just because, because, you know, you might remember the odd one here or there, but when I think back on my memories of my siblings, yeah. it's not on when we fought or when we argued, which is the one thing that gives me hope and strength right now when I listen to my own kids fighting like cats and dogs. I think they will get past it. Yeah, no, I feel that. <laughs> it won't be their overriding memory of their childhood, please God. You're right, because I don't remember fighting with my sister either, and clearly I must have, but you, yeah, you're right. I've never, I've never sort of reflected on that as going, oh, because you know that your friends have seen you at their worst, and certainly this year, um, has been quite a snot dry yeah. kind of year you know there's been a lot of I've had a lot of feelings <laughs> yeah. this year oh well that was just so brilliant so good to catch up what are you gonna do with that though like I can't <laughs> it's just like a big random pile of nonsense well do you know what even if it's only you and me and and you and me <laughs> who listen to it. But no, I don't, I think it's not because you know what so many people have said to me is that, that so many of the things that I've talked to these women about, other women have gone, oh yeah, I get that. Or I feel that, mm-hmm. or I've been through that or understand that, you know? And so despite whoever they might be, you know, gold medal winning what's-its or world record holders, they're all, we're all just dealing with the same stuff. And so the whole point of this was just to celebrate 30 years of friendship for which I am uh-huh. enormously grateful every single day. As clearly am I. I'm constantly glad to have you kicking about in my life. Yeah, and Jill isn't because she's never allowed to talk, so... <laughs> That's me. That's my role in the, in, the, in the trio. My role is to be the quiet one. Anyway, I just can't, I honestly can't imagine what you're going to do with this, Katie. Like, oh, how you're going to make it you know, good. Uh, well, I'm not going to do a huge amount of it, uh, with oh, it. Oh, God, you'll need to edit it. I will edit, edit. Of course I will. I'll edit it. I'll edit the, the, the bits where we, you know, talking over each other and I'll edit out the bit I said I was going to edit out and then <laughs> keeping the bits that talk about how young you are though well obviously <laughs> and then I shall post pictures of you at 48 and me at 24 uh... <laughs> it's been lovely and good luck trying to make that into anything oh well thank you that was okay. so good was we should do this without being recorded another time yeah, and we, we should do it like just in real life that would be even better we should do that. Do this with our take that mask on. <laughs> <laughs> that would ever get old. No, never, never, never. never. Oh, right. well, thank you so much. No and bother. I'll speak to you soon. Lovely okay, you I love both. you. See you later. Love you love too. You. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye. What's it about in Scooby-Doo Orchestra? Oh, Scooby-Doo? Uh, no, it was, it was uh, oh, Scooby-Doo Orchestra. Oh, my God. I can't listen to them, though, Jill, without thinking oh, about no. that. <laughs> so cringy.
Oh dear, stalking them down the road to their house. It was just in the middle of nowhere. And then going, we were just passing. Just taking it one step too far. God, that was one of the most embarrassing things. Oh, I still like I've actually got like curled up toes just thinking about it. Can you imagine what what they said when we left? Oh God. Why was that not there? Because I would have stopped you. I think you were working. You would have been working, selling shoes um or yeah. or or knickknacks yeah. and uh no you would have stopped us you would never have let us I away with that nonsense i like i you've obviously told me loads of times you did it but i still always go i would have stopped that there's no way i would have <laughs> i would not have let that continue too much oh <laughs> just oh. Yes. I'm sure I tried. Yeah. I'm sure I tried. I, I tell myself I tried. I I'm like, sure I cried. It's fine. We'll just go. <laughs> you made me do it. And she was driving. It was all Katie's fault. She was driving. It's fine. We'll just, we'll just do. We'll just go a little bit. We'll just go one more, and then, oh and then we're on this farm road. Yeah, following a guy on a bike. <laughs> and there's this house in front of us, and nowhere to go. Going. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too weird. Yeah, it's just too weird. Creepy, creepy weirdos. What was they even a thought? Oh God! Oh, I don't know. I can't even. They, I'm hoping that they don't remember. God, <laughs> you... But you managed to sneak one of them, though, didn't you? Did you not sneak him? Oh, I wish. I wished. Mm. Back in the day. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. Well, I still love Kenny Anderson. Well, I yeah, I, I googled him. him the other day. He's written some such beautiful stuff beautiful oh, yeah really beautiful it's just and he writes like the stuff that he writes is just so touching and so um yeah that kind of feeling of getting older and being middle-aged and or or not i, I just the whole um fragility of life mm. like it is beautiful it's really beautiful. You know, he, beautiful it sounds like a really old lady thing to say but he really matured into his music because they were yeah. just like young lads in that in a ska band having a great time and he just yeah it's just really lovely no I still like um it, it his his stuff is kinky so it will still have me howling and oh, I just well, think yeah because you cry yeah, all the time I you're such a crier I just cry all the time turns out turns out um but I just I, I just love King Crystal and love I love Scooby-Doo Orchestra back then and still it'll be my go-to Go into the Vic Cafe and just like see them standing in the corner playing mm-hmm. away. Did you know that Ian was going out with Katie Tunstall at the time? Yes, I did know that because, but only because of um, sort of, uh, you know, the, the internet now. I didn't know it at the time. No, at the time. No, because, well, she was just presumably Katie, <laughs> spelt normally. But I saw, I mean, we thought... Um, Jer and I saw um, Katie Tunstall and Ian uh, no Katie Tunstall and um, uh, Kenny Anderson playing together uh, when we went back to it might have been like the oh, night nice. before our wedding no it wasn't the night before our wedding but it might have been our wedding week um, that we saw wow. them playing together because I've still got a tape <laughs> like a cassette that I bought off Katie Tunstall oh, that funny. night and it's all like handwritten because it was just like kind of well, here's a tape I like and made copies in my bedroom on my cassette tape, yeah. uh, and it was that kind of setup, you know. But yeah. yeah, I've still got the Van album on, like the Whoa. the hand drawn oh, cover. Nice. The actual original Van album got eaten by a tape player, oh, yeah. 
back in the day when that was a thing. Um, but they they he they re-recorded it like as in they did a recording for me, like it put a thing and did a handwritten what's it? Because I was so sad that it got eaten oh, and they weren't God. making them anymore. That's good, isn't it? I don't know where it is, but I think it's at my mum's maybe. But ah, oh, there we go. Those were the Those days. Were the eh? days. It's amazing though because you can find all of these tracks without having to <laughs> take it out your I know. player. And play, pre, press play and record at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and of course, there is our very last thing is our everlasting love of the Take That Boys. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that was a lovely thing. I think to go and do that together and go to Dublin and go and see them. And man, I laughed that night so much because oh. of those man. Because <laughs> they were the best. Oh thing. yeah, <laughs> they were the funniest thing no, ever. Uh, yeah. uh, just yeah. Take that. 